0: This episode is brought to you by Tempest Fugitives. This weekend I had the pleasure of meeting up with Jay Maxwell and Sasha Makarov of Tempest Fugitives and I got to check out the vast array of equipment and weapons that they have for sale. Any haemurist who's looking for gear is spoiled for choice by going to Tempest Fugitives. The amount of things that they have on sale is really staggering and I mean that literally. I walked past their stand, and I staggered. Visit www.TempestSwords.com. Hello everybody and welcome to this very special episode of Blades for Days, where we're going to be talking about swords and sword fighting and fight camp. I'm your host, Jordan, and today I am going to be catching up with some of the people that I've had previously on the podcast at one of my favourite events of all time. I interviewed a bunch of people who were either teaching or participating in the event to get their impression of the weekend. I'm going to apologise for some of the background noise you're going to get. Um, I had to pin people down where and when I could. So you might hear some people are chattering in the background, occasionally people interrupt, also the volume is going to be all over the place. As it is his brainchild, I feel it's only fitting that I start with Matt Easton from Scholar Gladiatoria. Hi there Matt, so first of all thank you so much for inviting me to fight camp, it's been awesome. Yes, yeah, my pleasure, thanks for teaching and I, I loved it. Um, it was a bit, it was a bit awkward at first because I'm like, oh. I keep making inside
1: jokes that I'm so used to people getting. Right. But, yeah. But um, how's it been for you? The event has been different this year, very different. Um, so we decided to not use indoor spaces, um, and so the whole event's been outdoors. And, of course, inevitably, the weather forecast <laughs> tells us that we're going to have thunder and lightning and every other type of, you know, um, plagues of locusts and everything yeah. else you can imagine. As it's turned out, um, we've had rain, but it actually hasn't been too bad. Flight camp's always vulnerable to that. We we put it, you know, we think August, yeah, that's the hottest month of the year. Surely it's going to have, you know, beautiful baking sun. It never is. Yeah. Um, but we always hope for the maximum possible share of sun versus rain that we can get. Um so yeah it's turned out okay. The event itself has been different also the fact that we haven't had the same tournaments that we normally have. So we normally have a schedule that is almost full actually with tournaments. Um you know we've got a longsword tournament, saber tournament, a rapier tournament, a nylon backsword tournament and a melee tournament <laughs> um, so the whole time for me is usually taken up with running the final stages of the tournaments and that would be in the indoor hall, hall. Um, so this year on paper you think oh, I was freed up to you know a beautiful relaxing time in fact I've just been busy with other things instead because I've been doing things that you know normally I would have been off doing the judging and so other marshals would have done those jobs, so I've just been doing other jobs instead So, yeah, it's been quite hectic, uh, quite manic. Um, Also, we introduced a new tournament this year, which I called the Lady Luck Tournament, which is based on a tournament that I fought in in Florence a few years ago, where it's random weapon assignment. Now, it didn't pan out how I exactly wanted it to, because we got so many people enter, and we didn't have the number of judges or number of spare weapons, for example, spears and shields, to be able to have the full set of weapons through all of the rounds. Um, so ideally, there would have been a broader set of weapons from the outset. So the spear, the shields, all of those things would have been... Whatever, <laughs> <yeah, laughs> no, just anything. And, and so the whole ethos is it. So uh, the two points of it, uh, maybe three even. So number one, I think that in HEMA we get so used to fencing uh, weapon X versus weapon X, weapon Y versus weapon Y. And of course, we all know, in reality... Very often, that wasn't you know I wasn't hand out. You know, someone with a someone with a longsword might have to fight someone with a sword and buckler. Um, someone with a rapier might have to fight someone with a backsword, and so on and so on. Um, so, sort of, martially and historically, it's a very interesting thing to do. Secondly, it's hugely fun. Okay, it's just way more interesting and varied, I think, than the typical longsword competition or rapier competition. Um, but um, thirdly. And this is, I think, something that I don't know how many people have thought of it or realised it this year, but I hope that they have. And that's that I think it takes some of the ego out of tournament. So I think when you're invested, when you think of yourself as a longsword or a sabre or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you're going into a tournament to do your weapon against other people who do their weapon, it's very tense, it's nerve-wracking, there can be a lot of ego uh, involved, which can sometimes lead to you know, aggressive sort of mentality. Uh, And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have that in martial arts. I think that's also a useful thing to have in training. But sometimes it's fun to have a tournament that's fun. Yeah, uh, and if you're being told what weapon to use and you don't have a bloody clue how to use that weapon, it kind of instantly makes you go, oh well, I may as well just have fun then. You know, yeah, I'm. Not, uh, I've been told that I've got to use a spear and shield. I've literally never used a spear and shield in a competition before, so I've got no. I've got no reputation to defend. I've got nothing to, you know, so nothing to prove. I'll just try and have fun with the experiment a bit, learn something, have fun. And so that was what I took out of that tournament in Florence, was I just had a huge amount of fun. I was, by the time I did that, I was primarily a sabre, a saber tournament, so I was forced to use a pavis and a shield, a sword and buckler, which I do a little bit of, longsword, which I do some of, and used to do quite a bit of. And at one stage, my favourite bit, actually, it could have been my worst bit, but my favourite bit was when I got selected to use a dagger against someone who had a sword and buckler, (laughs) And I just thought, well, you know, what have I got to lose? And luckily for me, the person using the sword and buckler was maybe not that experienced and maybe also underestimated me as an opponent because I had just a dagger. And they stupidly just threw a big old cut number one in sabre terms or a mandrito, fendente at my head. And I just stepped in, blocked it with the dagger you know hand push away and bam around the head with my little dagger and um in the scoring system a head hit meant a single shot kill and that was it i won the fight and (laughs) and i was just like yes that was a you know nine times out of ten that wouldn't work but it was the one time that it did work and it i got such i'll I'll always remember that because it was a real sort of special little moment yeah um so it was a really fun tournament, and I think that sometimes we got to remember we're doing this for fun. Yeah. And yeah, you can. That doesn't mean that you don't have to take your training seriously. Um, you can take it as seriously as you want to take it, and as much as gives you enjoyment to take it seriously. But equally, we're not in the military. Uh, we're not being sent off to lands overseas to fight for you know for whatever our honour or our country or whatever you want to fight for. Um, with swords we're doing it as a hobby for fun um, and yes you can take it seriously but at the same time we mustn't forget if you're not having fun doing it whether you're taking it seriously or not taking it seriously if you're not having fun doing it you're doing something wrong basically so yeah yeah well, <laughs> immediately <laughs> um, i think I was, like, I was surprised not to see you actually because uh, looking at the pools there are some people as, as a tournament organizer there are some people you think you'll probably be seeing them later on. So I was actually surprised that we didn't see you. So I don't know what... How did your fight I go? Got, what um, so I got uh,
0: arming sword versus arming sword and buckler. Okay. So I managed to get, I think, maybe
1: two points on my opponent. But okay. then... Um, and there's also luck in terms of who your opponent is. Yeah, what there you no, absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that was, that was the thing. I think... I don't know what happened. I think I, I had the arming sword, and I think I just kind of... I, I did a really silly thing where it was this sort of paralysis through indecision because I sort of thought to myself, right. Do I go Fury one-handed, yeah. or do I go uh, Achille Morazzo? Yeah. Uh, oh, I've been hit. I was like, I'm so like, oh, I could do this, I could do that, and I, but while I was flouncing about, my opponent just went, Nah, fuck this, and just waded in on me, <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, fair enough. And what was quite funny is the judges were like trying to debate what happened because they were saying, Oh, Jordan, I don't know if you, I went, No, I didn't get him, I didn't touch him, right? Yeah. And they they were trying to sort of say, Oh, well, he came. Here. I was like, but If you let me, like, I'll tell you right now, I didn't get. Him. It's yeah. his fight, and I kind of, while they were still debating, I sort of saluted him, handed back my borrowed sword. I went, "It's yours," I just sort of like ducked out. Yeah. And then also, I was sort of like, um, uh, I'm making all my excuses now for why I didn't
1: do <laughs> so well. But um, but it's only you know it's only oh, yeah, one yeah. fight and that kind of stuff. And, so it's it's and also um, there's always a random, there's always an element of luck. And um, yeah, the, the best fencer in the world, if it's a, if it's a a one hit or a one fight, and you're out tournament. The yeah. best fencer in the world can lose to a beginner because the beginner just happens left field and do something yeah. and hits you in such a way that scores enough points to win the, the tournament. That's thing, it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, that was the thing because
0: we did. Um, and It was really fun because we had uh, those cut down um, rollings. Mm. They were rolling swords. I think that maybe had snapped, so you made yes. them into daggers. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. And uh, we did a sort of lady like thing. At the last fight camp I was at, yeah. and uh, I had dagger. And I think I was up against somebody with a spear, or, yeah, yeah, so I was just like, and I was trying so hard to get it, close yeah. that yeah <laughs> it close that line, and I just got destroyed, um, so yeah and it, it is it is fun,
1: so the funny thing is't it also so the spear was an interesting one because we didn 't introduce the spear into it until the later rounds, mm. and it, as always, the spear was often a decider, if someone got a spear, yeah. then very often that was what decided who accumulated the most points in their round to win or go on, you know, progress. Um, but what fascinated me was there were maybe two, three people I saw who got selected randomly to have a spear and clearly had never sparred with a spear before. Now we often make a big thing about, Oh, we know everyone talks about swords and actually spears are a huge advantage. And there's a reason why armies carried spears around instead of swords. And it's not just because they were cheaper. Um, and usually, yes, spear dominates sword. However, sometimes it doesn't happen because the person is literally just, just doesn't really know what to do with the spear at all. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually quite fascinating to me to see. Um, and I really think it's important, everybody out there, Make sure that all their students, at some point, has a go with a spear before yeah. they end up in a tournament with one. Because literally, they only need one session with a spear, and then they'll probably just nail most. But if they've never held one or tried to use one against uh, before, and they and they don't necessarily have any reference points to think, you know, if they've done maybe pole axe or even longsword to some extent, if they've never done something which has got transferable skills to it, then yeah, they might not know what to do with it. Uh, and if you get a good swordsman against them who knows how to cross the line and close them down or grab the spear then you know
0: yeah are you going to be because I know you taught um a, a class uh, this year and yeah I know you didn't get to last time mm. um is that something that you're hoping to continue going into the future
1: what teaching but,
2: yeah teaching um, a Workshop.
1: yeah I mean I'm always I'm always happy to teach at events um I, I in the last few years I haven't got to many events um mm. but I mean I used to Uh, I used to teach at loads and loads of events and I used to compete more as well. Um, These days I'm uh, a bit more insular in terms of just running things at my club and like coaching I suppose. We've got a few people who are as you know kind of quite fierce competitors in the club. Um, They kind of fly the flag um, and I, I kind of focus on coaching them and also coaching other people in the club to try and come up to their level as well and there are some who are well on the way actually um, and of course once you've got one or two people in a club who are very good fencers it helps other people to get good as well because they've got a bar to measure themselves against hmm. um, and in most clubs I think that bar is the instructor but in my club uh, they have certainly in some weapons they've gone beyond that so uh, you know there there are certainly few people a handful of people in the club now who just own me at longsword totally on sabre i can probably hold my own against anyone in the club but there are at least two possibly three people in the club who can match me a good amount of the time which is good for the club yeah uh, but it's also in uh, a sort of ego t- terms it can be really difficult for an instructor to realize that a student or sometimes multiple students are now at your level yeah and it can, I think, it can make you quite insecure because you think, well, you know, they, oh, they always used to look up to me. I was, I was the instructor. I was the best fighter. I was the one that. And now other people are, you know, going past me. But actually, isn't that what you want if you're an instructor? Yeah, it is the goal. Because if then, you can't make people your equal as an instructor, yeah. then you're kind of failing at Some People who've got different physical attributes and yeah. and skills and not, not dedication everyone, Yeah, as well. yeah, and and. And drive like, yeah. hunger for it, you yes. know. And that has to be said, so that's one of the reasons I don't bother competing anymore because I still like fencing, but I don't really care about winning anything yeah. anymore. It just doesn't really mean anything. To it, whereas I used to really want it. Yeah. Um, but there are other people in my club who really want it now, so I think, well, you know, I'll help them. I still get to fence with them, and also you can get, you can live vicariously through them to some extent because if you know they're doing really well in competition, and you can still, you can still sort of, you know reasonably well get at least do 50 50 with them then you kind of know where you are in your in the bigger world setting yeah that's thing. good so, yeah um but yeah the, the main reason i don't do so many events anymore is just logistical just how busy i am and and having kids and stuff and and i also made the mistake which you did as well of um ending up with a hema partner uh, and the problem is with a HEMA partner is you can't leave the HEMA partner at home and go off and do a HEMA event. You have to take the HEMA partner with you. So I couldn't leave uh, Lucy, my wife, at home with the kids and go off and do a HEMA event. Because she'd be like, but I want to be at a HEMA event as well. So, uh, you know, there we go. That's, yeah. <laughs> there's there's upsides and downsides in that. but So, yeah... Um, yeah I, I but i I do think as, as certainly as my kids get older, I think I'll probably start doing a few more events again yeah. uh, each year and one of my favorite events is Dijon in France, and i haven't been for nine years now, and I went up until that point I went to every single one and in fact i was, I was kind of helped to organize the first one mm. um and I miss that event so much I love it I love the place I love the people Um, it's just a great event with a great ambience Um, and it's also holiday as well because you go there you get to eat nice food you get a nice time out in restaurants in the evening all that kind of stuff and uh, and it's got a really good training venue massive training halls people from all over Europe come to it so you'll meet people from Poland and Russia you'll meet from obviously France but also Germany Scandinavia Italy all over the place so it's really great Um, and I really miss that. Um, but we keep talking about how to go to that event, but it's re- logistically... It just hasn't really worked with kids, because one of us would just end up back at the hotel room looking after kids while the other one's at the event. So What's the
0: point, actually, with uh, kids? Like, mm. Are you hoping that they'll grow up to get into Hema as well? I honestly
1: actually don't care. Oh, OK. <laughs> In that, I've always <laughs> strongly... Be- so I've... Uh, I've I've seen through my life various people who had pushy parents as we yeah. call them who desperately want them to follow, up, follow in their footsteps and I haven't personally known any of them where that turned out well actually yeah. uh, particularly I've seen it with musicians actually uh, where kids have really been pushed strongly down the music route and have been gifted and very good musicians as children but they've got to a point in their teenage years where they're like oh, yeah. this is not actually what I enjoy I just do it because I've always done it and I'm therefore good at it yeah. but you know you see, see the same thing with sports You know, particularly sports where you can excel in young years like something like gymnastics for example Where, and I knew someone who actually used to be a junior marathon runner and um, <clears throat> they get to a certain age where they think well why am I actually doing this? I'm doing this because I've always done this and because I win medals at this but I don't actually enjoy it yeah. anymore you know so, no, I'd want them to choose their own routes, but. Getting yeah, a LARP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not against that. No, no, no. Uh, funny not, enough, to we honest. were talking about, I was yeah. talking about LARP with Mark Gilbert yeah, uh, yeah, not yeah. long ago, because obviously his primary background is LARP. Uh, although, he, uh, you have to find the truth behind that. He has actually done fencing and SEA and a whole bunch of other things uh, as well. So, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's not like miraculously coming from LARP, and he's really good at HEMA tournaments. No, he's done loads of stuff in the, in the past. But. Um, no, yeah, the, the kids, if, if, if they're interested in it, great, and, and, you know, my son's only one and three quarters, but he is already I'm um, having to secure swords in ways that I never had to previously, because he is, just wants to grab every sword and try and bash something with it, so, um, so yeah, he's showing early, early promise, but, you know, whether he does or not, it's it doesn't really matter either way and i'm sure you know if he's not interested in, i've got other interests as well and i'm sure that we'll have other shared interests if it, if it's not um swords or um you know and even in my old age i'll probably still be dealing antique swords long after i'm trying to hit people with swords so uh, my life will always revolve around swords and history and arms and armor so um and the making aspect as well is something that uh, I, I i'm certainly not known for but when i was younger I did dabble in, uh, particularly armor making, um, and you know I, I love I'm I'm artistic in the sense that I did A level art and I went to university to do architecture originally based on my art portfolio. I ended up changing degree and being an archaeologist, but um, I you know I love art and I love making stuff and that kind of stuff. I like making models and that kind of stuff. So if one of them went down one of those routes, I'd be utterly happy about that as well because that's something that I can you know share with them. So. Yeah, I don't mind if they do Hema. That's fine. If they don't do Hema, they probably won't because I think if you've got a dad that kind of runs Hema events and runs a Hema club and does a Hema YouTube channel, and probably you're you might kind of go away from it. you might try and find your own thing to to uh, submersing. Yeah, Yeah. who knows? Funny though, because the generation change, and like my daughter, my daughter's eight. And when all of her, like, class were asked, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, one will say a soldier, one will say a fireman, one will say a nurse or whatever. But then the rest of them will say, oh, we want to be influencers or <laughs> want to be YouTubers. Or it's, like, really weird. It's, like, what little kids want to be now is totally different from yeah. when I was a kid because these things didn't exist then. So um, uh, my daughter mentioned to one of her um, schoolmates that had her dad does videos on youtube and um he uh and she and he said oh what does he do and she'd said and he went oh yeah i think i've watched him with my dad was <laughs> <laughs> like oh embarrassing I'm like doing, <laughs> doing the school pickup thinking oh god <laughs> one of these people might have watched me on youtube and it does occasionally i literally went for a walk around the corner from my house and um I got that, you know, like where people go to walk their dogs and stuff. And some bloke with his girlfriend went, oh, it's Scola Gladiatoria. I was like, oh, hey, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) nice to meet you. (laughs) 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 I just think about, you know, I just sit in the garage and film videos and put them on. I don't think about the fact that I might step outside my house and someone might actually recognise me. It's quite strange. A bit creepy. I I actually (laughs) had
0: it in um, Cardiff. And yeah. yeah it was it was a similar sort of thing I was walking home it was like nine o'clock so it's dark I'm yeah. walking down Queen Street in Cardiff which is very busy at night yeah. and uh, somebody comes up to me and they said and they were going excuse me excuse me and I'm like, I don't have any change and like, no I want to join your school like, oh, oh sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you're going to need sorry. some change then. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thank you so much
1: for this. This has been awesome. Yeah, no. It's always good to chat. Yeah.
0: Next we have the absolute badass, which is Sam Aykroyd from the Academy of Historical Fencing. Getting this goddamn thing to work. Oh, there we go. Okay. Probably actually going to be the quietest clip of the weekend. Um, but, yeah. How was your fight camp, Sam?
2: Ace. Absolutely yeah. ace. Yeah, loved it. It was really good, despite the weather. Um, yeah, really good fun.
0: Awesome stuff. What was your top moment?
2: Ooh, top moment. Really enjoyed the melee. That was great fun, uh, fighting you with you in the Steelies. That was really good. Uh, I really enjoyed our tape bout. That, that was, was Yeah,
0: man, that was hairy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, I'm surprised neither of us came out with a concussion. Yeah. <laughs> and, like you against Richard, watching that was also super fun. And I'm surprised you don't have a concussion, because he was
0: think think that's what screwed me up in my last fight because i was just i was so tired and it's just yeah but uh no man um yeah our fight was great it was um as i've said to you before the like and, like earlier the the things for me is just like you you see when i'm offering you a trap most of the time and like like 99 percent of the time or like you know, you see when I have an opening and I haven't noticed, and you're very good at just slipping something past my guard, and then it's in, and I'm like, ah, yeah, there it is. That's that. So, that was good. Um, yeah, workshops-wise, how did you find that?
2: Workshops? Uh, oh, I've got to try and remember what, I, what workshops I actually went to. Uh, I did the Halberds uh, one by Fran. Uh, did the boarding action. Second actions. time.
0: Goodbye, guys. I'll see you soon, yes? See you, yeah. buddy. <laughs>
2: The uh, the boarding actions obviously like just super fun, uh, and the weather kind of meant that that worked. Um, oh, the dual wielding um, one that Josh did, yeah, uh, the two different styles uh, of, um, of dual wielding that was really interesting, and then how they compare to each other and using them against each other. I really enjoyed that one actually. I think yeah, that would probably be my my top one I think for for interesting new sort of techniques and things.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I thought about going for that, um, and also his cloak and dagger. I didn't actually take part in as many workshops this this fight camp as I usually would. Mm, um, yeah, I did a, a as well. yeah, yeah. Like I did loads last time. Um, I didn't even, and I normally take this, mm. but he was doing he was doing a Dusak one, and I looked over, and it was on the far side of the field, and I thought fuck that. <laughs> it's too far away. No, I didn't think that. I thought um, I, it was like already half an hour in and I don't really have a do so I was like, I'll just turn up with a long sword and be like, "This, all right? Like,
2: oh, I forgot uh, Colin Fieldhouse's uh, Black Powder thing. Again, Like that's just super fun. I've done that twice now and I loved it both times.
0: Yeah, I, like that was a really bizarre one for me because I'm like, I'm doing Keith's class and Keith is like, like I love Keith you know he's doing, his, um, he's doing his class and he's talking about history and this and you know martiality and body mechanics and I look over and there's like loads of people shooting with at nerve each guns, other with, yeah. Yeah, with nerf guns <laughs> and stuff and I'm like <laughs> these, these could not be more diametrically yeah. opposed type yeah. of uh, classes you know uh, but it did, look loads of fun, and there were a few times where I was so distracted by that that I wasn't paying attention to what Keith was saying. There were people lying down and jumping up and running at each other.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was like, I, it, it, like it. It is quite historical in that it is specific scenarios that did happen, like hmm. from uh, *Swordsman of the British Empire*. It's like out of uh, that book, he's taken specific scenarios and gone, okay, how does this play out? for um, Yeah. So, like, where when we were lying down, it's, um... Uh, someone's had their horse shot out from under them, uh, their pistol's flown off in one direction, their sword's off in the other. They, like, come round, like, look up, and there's two people coming over to, like, attack them, and uh, do they go for the sword? Do they go for the pistol? Yeah. Like, if you get the pistol, is it, is it still loaded? Because you just come off your horse. Uh, so, like, do you need to cock it? Do you need to, like, full reload? Like... You're still only going to get one shot, so that's only coming at you. One shot, one opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Mum, spaghetti
4: all over your gambeson. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, man. Um, no, it did. It looked like fun. Um,
0: <laughs> and the thing is, as well, I guess with like Nerf guns, like the, especially yours, which was like a like a shotty you know, it's like a shotgun. Um, it like that's actually pretty accurate to like loading. Yeah, like you know. Like, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Good, good, uh, like yeah, that's good great podcast content, podcast man. I love
0: it. I love it when yeah. people do sound effects <laughs> and there action well. then act out something that nobody could see. He was he was um, for, for people listening at home he was, Just cut it. Just cut it. No that's No i do not cut that. That's that's great A content. Um, yeah, for people at home he was acting out loading uh, loading a flintlock lock. And that was and it was great. You know, I was in the moment. I believed it. It was, it was ace. Um, yeah, no, that 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 looked like a lot of fire. That, that's something I wouldn't mind doing. And it's, uh, right. So, like, that's the thing. The, the the historical value of it, like these scenarios, and uh, making it fun, and making those games. Right. Um, what I find really quite you're interesting.
5: You, know, you do realize you're sat out
0: alone behind the bike, chairs? Hey. You leave Sam and I alone, okay? This is a love that can't I be just, tainted. I
1: just want you to be open about your relationship.
0: We are open about it. At what point have we denied our relationship? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of doing a podcast, buddy. Sorry. That's cool. <laughs> so. But what was I saying? Oh, yeah, 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 the games, the games. I'm leaving that in. Screw it. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, the hi- historical life.
0: Yeah, it, it's really funny because I get like people from like serious martial arts backgrounds, right? Um, like, you know, uh, Liam, who was, I think, also just I- interrupted the podcast inadvertently um, just now. And, you know, comes from an MMA background, takes it really seriously. He's got a lot of questions about, you know, about the, the martial aspect of it. But... Um, I get people come in and they're like, "Ah, oh, this isn't for me" because I'm doing like melee games type uh, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like, yeah, but people would have played games. Do you know what I mean? People yeah. like they're, they're like historically, there's one I want to do, but not quite as dangerous, and it's like the bridge games in like um, they did them in these Italian cities where you'd mm. get different people fighting over a bridge, and the rules were if you fell in the water, you're out. <laughs> and then you get like you know like, is it
2: unarmed just like shoving people off the I,
0: launcher, No, it? I think you had like sticks and it was like their way of training. I need to look into this. I might have just made this up, right? Um, from from a bunch of shit that I've read about like Condottieri and the and like and, and the different types of um the different types of people that they would have drafted, mm. in like to for um, like a city defense and all this sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I read that there somewhere. And You would have, and you do have, um, you know, you do have games to, to train yeah. up your guys. Well, yeah, like,
2: it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because unless you're like just gonna be first time on the battlefield, like never never tried it or any of it, yeah, just, or just just done like drill, like, as we see today, like doing just drill. Probably not as effective as doing drill and sparring. Yeah. Um, if, if someone is as as good as someone that's done both by just doing drill, um, that's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah.
0: Um, no, today's been today's been great. There, all three days have been great actually. Mm. Uh, could, could
2: have done with better weather on, on the first. Yeah, day a days. lot of people.
0: Yeah, but, that's uh, <laughs> that's true. Actually, there was a point I did the um, the Lady Luck tournament, and uh, I was like. I, I think I was crashing. Like I, I was talking to Matt about this, and uh, I was like, "I'm not making excuses. I kind of am, though." Yeah. Um, I was crashing because all I'd had is like loads and loads of Pepsi, um, and uh, I think the other thing, uh, the other thing was, I just had wet feet. I had wet yeah, socks. Wet feet, Wet man. feet. And I was just didn't give a fuck. Like I didn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. I was like. Like, uh, am I going to do this? Am I going to like? Uh, I don't know. I, and then I just got taken out. And the guy, the guy, I, I don't know who I was fighting, unfortunately. Otherwise, I'd put his name in the podcast. He absolutely blasted me out of the competition, you know. But um yeah, I just had a wet. Face. And then I walked off, and Matt like kind of looked at me, and he was sort of like he was smiling at me. And normally I'd be like, "Hey, Matt," you know. And I just kind of like walked past him. i like, "What." Fucking ever! I don't
2: care. My feet are wet. So um, you were gonna say like he looked at you just with like disappointment. In his eyes. <laughs> yeah, like, probably. No, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: Matt. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a weekend.
2: Uh, thanks for this, buddy. No worries. Yeah.
0: Next up, we have Keith Barrel of the Academy of Historical Arts. All right,
3: fantastic, Keith. So, how's your fight camp going? It's been going very well, thank you excellent been enjoying it yeah um despite the weather well that's been fine because i've been manning the, the, the shop stall most of the time i've been undercover i've been watching you guys get wet yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and uh smiling i'm sure of course uh, yeah i'm trying to sell you
0: things as you pass yeah, of yeah. course. Oh, yeah, I've, I've bought things um <laughs> i really enjoyed our one-to-one session um that was ace i found it incredibly well, thank informative you. Uh, I went back to the tent and immediately started writing down notes. The uh, the other guys had pizza and they're like, your pizza's getting cold. I'm like, hang on, I've
3: got to get this down. So, yeah, that I, was good. I really like it when I can give folks something to, to, to really think about, to, to, to chew into. Mm.
0: And what's nice about it as well um, is that the stuff that generally I take away from your classes are things that I can apply immediately. Um, so it's not like a complex play that needs a lot of setup it's usually yeah if you just change this you might find this like much more effective
3: that's often the case one of the reasons why i think uh, we have failures to apply certain things in sparring is because we make them too complicated if we can simplify it and and make it easy for ourselves then surprise surprise it's easier to do (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like my um, um, my
0: Krav Maga coach used to say that it's like you know, pour pour most of your time into perfecting your jab cross, you mm. know, and uh, it's like because you you're probably not going to win the fight with a flying armbar out of the gate, you know. That's when things go wrong. <laughs> There, there's a challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, I've tried it. I ended up like landing on my head. It was no good. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think that's like uh, that's that's one of the things I've been trying a lot this weekend is sort of knowing I'm probably going to get it wrong, um, but you know, try uh, trying a technique that I've seen or I've, or, or I've read about, and then
3: uh, and then doing it in sparring. Well, I think that's I think it's really important. It's crucially important that we don't treat sparring too seriously all the time. And that we, we allow ourselves to be playful with it, because play is how we learn to do things. How we make sure that we are setting it up properly, we're entering into it correctly. Play is where we can learn lessons of what not to do without it going catastrophically wrong. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's important that we play with things and, and have a go at it inspiring. sparring. With- yeah, I suppose that feeds nicely back into the uh, the workshop that you did on
0: Friday, which was about uh, sparring with historical rules. Ah, yes, yeah.
3: yes, yes. I find that quite interesting. We often think about sparring today as the kind of 50-50, uh, fairly symmetric, fair kind of fencing, but it's not, not always like that in the various historical rules that survive, or even when the, the rules aren't complete and we make an interpretation of the historical rules some of them still end up quite, quite asymmetric, and that, that seems wrong, at first blush, to us today. But when we start getting used to playing with odd rule sets or asymmetric situations, that's when we we start learning about what what skills solve other problems. And then, when we've got more of a repertoire of that, we're we're able to 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 fence better in a a wider variety of situations so I I think it's really useful to to play lots of different fencing games
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely and, you know, from a martial standpoint as well, it's not going to be
3: 50-50 is it? You know, if you meet somebody in the field and it's like Well, you know, probably the best fight to get into is an ambush where you're the one doing the ambushing Yeah, yeah Yeah, I think Puro would agree with that (laughs) I'm sure he would Like, the best place to get somebody is from
0: behind, you know So... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How does that, that fairness, because I know that you come from um, a karate background, mm. and uh, I know that one of the things with you is that you kind of very much about um, discipline and sort of respect. Um, and how does that
3: play into when the rules are unfair? So we, c- we can make unfair rules without penalizing it, without making it a, a bad situation is a game that has a, a slight asymmetry. White moves first. And so what you can do is you, you play a game, and then when you're finished, you turn the board around, another person plays white. So y- y- you can play the same game and then just switch who has which role, and everyone gets the, the same chance to have all the advantages and all the disadvantages. <laughs> yeah. Coming from karate, um, well, I'm, I'm not exactly the biggest person in the room. I'm very rarely the biggest person in the room. So there's always that kind of natural advantage or disadvantage And at the end of the day, you just have to to suck it up and get used to it, learn to deal with the problem. That being said, it really helps if you can have a a scaffolded way to learn how to deal with the problem. If you just throw people in at the deep end, uh, it's not the best way to learn things, I think. Um, If you can help people learn the next useful thing that they can do to be able to deal with the problem better then over time with that kind of input people will learn how to solve the problems even if they have the natural disadvantage so I think we can we can do that in HEMA as well the, the, the swords do equalize quite a lot but you know tall people still have all the advantage you're terrible people <laughs> we're, we're good people we're a noble race
0: <laughs> yeah no I um, I've actually found that really interesting this weekend because I've come across a lot of people my height or taller um, had a Montante fight with a gentleman called Richard, and he's—I think he said he was six twelve, something like that. So that was uh, that was interesting. And in that, I was applying the stuff that we did in the one-to-one session, uh, which was about you know taller versus shorter fences, because mm-hmm. it was for Melissa, who is about a quarter than me, um, and so. Yeah, that was that was really nice to be able to go. Oh, I was going to reverse engineer this, <laughs> but I don't have to. I'm just sort of doing this thing. Just, just do the thing. Just do the thing. Exactly, um, and that was uh, that was great. Uh, I think your
3: second wor- workshop was on Dusak, which yeah, I was teaching that one today. It was good fun. Uh, when people play with Dusak, to be honest, most people just fuck about with it, <laughs> and it's just a fun weapon to play with. But if we, if we treat it seriously and we, we study it properly, there's a lot of incredibly valuable lessons we can draw from it. If we just fuck about with it and get that superficial learning, that's really the best we'll get. Yeah. But going into it in a bit of detail, uh, we were looking at how we can use the, the Dusak treatises uh, from the 16th century to, to develop our physicality and to use it as physical training so that we can learn how to apply the body in the various movements or techniques or approaches or whatever. And that was going very well. Uh, admittedly, some of the, the people, especially the, the older folk and the people with dodgy knees, they, they weren't enjoying the squats so much. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the younger and bouncier folk were, were doing an appropriate number of squats.
0: Yeah, I've seen some of the uh, the plates from like Yohan Mayo, where he's basically doing the sumo wrestler stance, but with the the DUSAC instead So,
3: I mean, you, you don't necessarily have to do it like that in your sparring mm. but if you have the, the capacity the, the flexibility the, the, the musculature um, the stability la- largely to be able to go down and do that in your training then it gives you a few more options in your sparring maybe you don't squat all the way down so you can confiscate the kneecaps but maybe you do just bring your shoulder a bit closer to the lower target that you're attacking so that you gain, you gain some and having, if you train it properly, and you do a reasonably proper study of Dusak, there's a lot of useful things that we can learn that will inform the, the rest of our practice and the rest of our sparring Yeah, it's quite funny actually because I tell my students a lot, you know, get lower in your stance. And they're like,
0: I am low. And then I've said something, you're never as low as you think you are. And then they'll see a recording of themselves, you Mm know, because we'll have a fight, I'll pop it up on Instagram or something. And they'll message me and go, oh yeah, I see what you mean now. I'm like properly upright. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I told you. Um, So that's always always fun. I think, again, like uh, the karate must lend itself to that quite
3: nicely because there are a lot of stances that are very, very low. Yes, so within karate there's a lot of quite stylized things that you, you have to learn mm. and maybe in the, the actual sparring you don't do it quite that way mm. but by practising it properly and focusing on getting all, all the details correct you you learn how to apply the body when doing that sort of thing mm. and with all the stance work in karate you learn how to how to move effectively how to convey yourself from place to place with balance with stability with poise with chambering so you're ready to go and do the next thing and these are all useful skills and then maybe you're sparring and you never drop into a deep example of that stance or whatever it is but you still end up using a lot of those same lessons and and, and so it's valuable that way yeah yeah
0: no this has been awesome man thank you so much you're very welcome next up we have mike thomas from the
4: ahf <laughs>
0: Alright buddy, so how was your lesson today?
4: Wet. Yeah. Very, very wet. It was good. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, people had a lot of fun. Uh dust sack in the mud, that's the way it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah. Did you do your show and tell about the um... No,
4: no, no. Um I left the the original dust sack in the car. Yeah. I did actually bring it out, but um about half an hour before the weather really turned. Yeah. Um, so no went, went straight back into the car I said if anybody wants to see it I'll take them to the car and show them
0: <laughs> through the and, uh, window yeah, yeah I pointed it through the window because there it is
4: now, all, all the stuff I did take you know, we did we did carry a gazebo out into the field yeah. to, to operate from but everything still got soaked
0: and everybody laughed at
4: first I it right? was hilarious but, they were sort of, but we all had a gazebo to put stuff in yeah yeah who's but laughing now <laughs> Oh, yeah, my, my skivona de sac is, is soaked, so it's, it's starting to rust already. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So that's going to be cleaned and oiled.
0: I think that's going to be, like, everybody's Monday everybody's evening. Everybody's going to be doing it's it.
4: It's going to be a... Um, I found
0: Mike. Yeah, hold but we're doing a thing. We're doing a thing. Sorry, bud. We're doing a podcast. It's cool. I'll leave this in. People love this. People love it. Like people like to know how the sausage gets made. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Just some rando. <laughs> Just some rando in the background. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, no, that was cool. I love the boarding action as well. That was good fun. And I think uh, because the last time you and I fought, uh, it was we were doing the the saber boffers, but we were doing kind of like a lot of sack stuff in it. Okay. So I guess that like the two lend. Uh, lend well yeah, to each it, other
4: uh, But basically the minute you stop um, doing wide measure sparring with a light single handed sword and you get in close and start brawling then the um, the Dussac the mazza it, it all comes naturally you're basically boxing with a sword yeah so it all you know and Ben when he was going through it he said it's all starting to look very long swordish but with short weapons yeah which is, which is you know right on the money it's pretty much what it is yeah with a, with a few other bits. But. yeah yep yeah. So uh, you're basing stuff on Maya No, right? It's not based on it. It is Maya. Oh, ah, okay. It was. Yeah, it is Maya's Maya. Basically, Maya, Maya describes the Dusak section as being um, applicable to all single-handed weapons. Yeah. So you, you can pick up a falchion, you can pick up a messer, a Dusak, or even though most people don't even know what a Dusak is, uh, you can pick up an arming sword. They'll all work perfectly fine. Just a single sword. Um, and then you're using it. It's, it's kind of a hybrid, and some early um, saber stuff.
0: Yeah. What well, would you? Because uh, I know a lot of people think the Dusak
4: is the leather. Kind it's, two, of... it's two weapons. That's the trouble. It's it's one name, two weapons. Um, yeah. And you've got you you've got to look at the um, at the leather and the wooden Dusak as being as being the sportified, entertaining version of the of the of the military weapon sort of a. You look at what we do, and you get um, feathers. So yeah. you know, you, you, you've got something. A feather is not—it's ch- not a long sword A, f- a feather is, uh, is something made so you can practice that. And then the dusak is, is basically—it's it's combined all those little weapons together, shrunk it down, and make it into something that's entertaining and fun, and yeah. um, for the period. But there be—yeah, there are two different things. I might say you use this one uh, in the fact school. Yeah. Um, that's fine. But um, but it also this system is for single-handed weapons. Yeah. So you, you're using one for fun just like we maybe go and use the foam swords and buffers yeah, to, um, nice. to yes. spar you can use that for training but you're not going to use that in war and then you get a war de sac, um, which is what some people call them or just a sac, but it's yeah. the same thing and it looks completely different it's bigger it's going to have some hand protection usually thumb ring um, it becomes basically it looks like a pirate sword yeah um, and you use it like one.
0: Yeah, I think they're cool. I, uh, I like them. Uh, don't tell. Well, he's going to listen to the podcast hopefully, but because I, I, you know, Ben's got his custom-made falchion, so a lot yeah, of that's that, that, going to be. That, uh, that, that,
4: that, that was perfect, and I, I used it a few times in the lesson to point out because it's it's divided up the same as the dusak. so yeah. In terms of you know, the single edge, the clip back edge, mm. and the hand protection, you know, it all um, it all fits the bill of being a mezer slash dusak. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which which is basically that's what that manual is for. So when he's describing it you go and get the sword the Ben's carts which I'm sure you'd be pleased that the sword the Ben's got yes. you, but you go you go and look at that one and that it fits the role perfectly yeah but then the people that were practicing the um, drills it worked with all of them it's, it starts to work less with later much lighter and longer weapons um, but then they have their own systems yeah this is for and um, we do that melee like we did the naval boarding action melee everybody throws themselves in and everything's close the hand left hand is coming up you're hacking and slashing with your whole body yeah, I know you can't see that in the podcast right? <laughs> but I'm, ha- I'm twisting at the hips and yeah. uh, I'm hacking and slashing you're not doing all these fancy Moodle nets because there's no space for it Yeah, got, you can't twirl the blade around there's rigging there's people in the way there's people behind you none of that stuff's working so you're using your whole body and you're powering through and you basically everything's coming in uh, and then suddenly the Dusak stuff works really well at that range. Yeah. You, you pull back and you start looking like Nick who's over there in his Huzar kit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're going to be standing off and you're going to be fighting at a distance. And, you know, it's, it's a different kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you go up against somebody with long swords, you fight them at a long, long range, it's a problem. you go in close and Dusak works really well. Yeah. Um, because we, we, we've all done yeah. that before. We've all done, you know, arming swords um, and bringing in shields and those kind of simpler weapons, shorter weapons. They work really well at those distances. Yeah. Um, and we were doing out in the rain and the mud, and it just and it, in the rain and the mud, and it's slipping around a bit. And they actually work really well because yeah. you try and do a really long lunge with a with a, um, uh, with a saber, and suddenly the ground conditions don't, don't work for it. But you, you you do a nice big passing step, a stable step, and you smash into them. Um, and you've uh, and as Ben found out, sort of, it's looking like a Jordan Lund sort of log and disarm, <laughs> and that's exactly it. You're, you're coming straight in, striking the blade, the, the arms coming round, going straight through, and it and it works. Yeah, it looked uh, it looked fun. Are you happy to be back at fight camp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not like a leading question. No, no. I was, uh, just, uh, I was just. Yeah, I, I basically I had because um, I have had all kinds of stuff going on the last few years, and I thought this year after COVID, my default position now is people ask me stuff, and the default position is yes, unless there's a reason otherwise. Yeah. If somebody if you know, somebody wants me to go and teach overseas somewhere. First answer, like they've asked, we do Vienna. Yeah, Vienna straight away. No, 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 no thinking about it. Um, so yes is the default response now. Um, uh, basically, the only thing I don't really like about fight camps is I don't like being stuck in a field out in bad weather. Uh, I've done, I've done it for decades, and it's. Uh, I've got, yeah, I yeah. just got bored of being of being this. soaked um, and having all my kit soaked and. You know, I'm going to be 46 next month. I'm I'm used to more civilized accommodations. <laughs> um, sitting in a, in a a sort of a camp bed in a tent. Yeah. Not so bad when you're on your own. there's well, no, sort of a couple of you, and you've you know you've got lots of space around you. But like, and I'm, I'm sharing a tent with two other guys, um, and that's that's not my deal.
0: Uh, <laughs> I yeah, that's the thing. Like so, uh, when I did reenactment. Viking like Viking style reenactment. I remember it was a luxury just to have a dry pair of pajamas, like pajama yep. bottoms or something, to like slip into and then get into a sleeping bag. Now I need the camp bed. I need the you know. I need all of this sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I've gone a bit soft. And somebody was talking um, earlier about yeah. Next time I come to Fight Camp, I'm just gonna like um, book a room in Premier Inn. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's. Uh, I don't know where I'd keep my swords, but do you know what? That actually. Yeah, so I'm going really soft, you know.
4: Well, I, I, I don't really. I, I think you get to it, you, 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 keep, you keep moving on, and you, you appreciate other things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I like the fighting. The fighting is the bit I like the most. Yeah. Um, the, the, the whole bar thing, it's okay, but it's not it's not really the thing I'm here for. It's uh, to meet the other people and fight them and do stuff with swords and buy stuff. Uh, when the weather was really, really bad earlier on, I was tempted to go and use my car to stay in. It's got it's got a camping mode built in, so I was oh, t- I was tempted. The Tesla. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, w- I was tempted to just take my um, my bed, put it in the back, because the whole thing falls down. Yeah. Um, it'll it'll use the heating, it'll stay on. I could watch Netflix in there, and I thought I could just stay in there, it'd be nice and comfortable. Yeah. Then it all seems a bit pointless because it's no, I what you. Man. Um, you know, everybody else would be around, and yeah, I'd be sat out somewhere out in the corner on my own yeah. it just it all seems a bit sad so, so I've got so my so.
0: Nissan Almira which if I put the back seats down I can maybe
4: squat in there
0: uh, but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's like a 19 year old Nissan Almira so yeah but it, it yeah. is
4: currently warm so yeah. I, I left it warming up to dry off all my clothes nice so, yeah. so is a, the car's operating as a big tumble dryer mm-hmm. but, um, cool but no no, the event's good um, I, I will keep coming back to fight camp now Awesome. Um, I I actually think it might even be about a decade since I've been here. Oh, yeah? When I came here last, the trees were little shrubs. (laughs) And they really were, they were tiny. We could actually camp between them because they were so small. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So um, so I'll be coming back. So I'll do do Kings of the North
2: and all the other ones as well. Awesome stuff. Thank you. That's okay. Now we're going
0: to hear from Fran Laquata from the School of the Sword. Hey Fran, so how has your fight camp been going?
6: It's been great, actually. It's been a few years since I've been, and of course with the pandemic and everything. But it's kind of like a bit of a step back in time. It's like no time's passed at all. Yeah. It's it's really, you know, I've I've loved coming to fight camp since I started doing Hema, and it's it's just like a big happy family. Really, it's it's really weird in a way, but also like very familiar and comforting. I think.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean because. People keep saying last year when they talk about the last yes. fight camp, and I'm like, but, yeah, but the it it does actually feel like that because my memories are so crisp of mm-hmm. the last fight camp I went to. The two like the last two years are a blur, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh yeah, no, actually, it's been like a lot. As, not happened, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. How did your poleaxe class go?
6: It was good it, it was had a little bit of rain which cut it short, but uh, we had a good hour and a half of uh, practising uh, plays from the anonymous Bolognese and with a bit of advice peppered in from Pietro Monte about how to use the poleaxe, so we had a, a big, big class up, kindly i was lent weapons from ahf and lhfc i had some from my school uh, the school of the sword and yeah it was a good time
0: awesome because i know that you've got a lot of videos out there on instagram and uh like different places where you're using montanta and like axes and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i think that's really nice because the there's this sort of like idea in the like in the public eye that big swords require big people to move them mm-hmm. um, and you're kind of proof of the contrary <laughs> which is really nice
6: yes well that's why i wanted to do polax teach polax as well because it's like it's not a strength thing it's a structure thing yeah you, you no know, it doesn't matter how big or small you are you can do it you just have to make sure everything lines up properly so you know you can't muscle big big swords and uh big big weapons you have to use your whole body it's I, I always say that the spadoni and the montante are the best teachers because they give you instant feedback they are they you know they don't sugarcoat anything if you get it wrong you get it wrong and sometimes you know you can get it really wrong so that's yeah. why i like those for body for teaching body mechanics
0: yeah i've got one of the black fencer montante um i recently started using it against multiple opponents and i have to be careful not to cheat with it mm-hmm. because it's it's quite l- like it's not a too accurate of a facsimile the the size and shape is great it's on the light then, side yeah yeah exactly and so i have to like try and stop myself from changing direction too quickly because mm-hmm. i know that i can with that whereas if i had a steel montante, that would like wreck me mm-hmm. you know yeah um so i think that's been that's been good for feedback so um yeah, what's it been like catching up with people after so long?
6: It's been lovely. Um, it's, you know, people sort of, the conversations sort of go from like the last 18 months and then sort of talking about, you know, how we all got into HEMA and stuff and how we're planning to rebuild. Yeah. Uh, but I think the thing that's coming up now that a lot of people are talking about is beginners. So people new to HEMA who've been like learning about HEMA and uh, over the, the sort of course of the you know, the lockdown and everything wanting to get into new hobbies. This is a good, this is a really good time. Loads of clubs are springing up all over the place. Loads of people are getting interested online. This is a really good time for people to start a new martial art.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, he was very different to any other martial art, uh, that I've done. So I was talking to my Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach mm. and it's one of those things where I was, I was just chatting to him about how I was keeping in touch with my guys throughout lockdown. I was like, <coughs> you know, what did you do with yours? And he's like, nothing. They pay me, you know? Um, (coughs) And um, for a lot of haemorrists, their Hema school is a large part of their social circle. Whereas a lot of other martial arts schools that I've been to, uh, like when I do Krav Maga or, you know, J like a lot of the time, it's just kind of like, yeah, we turn up, we we hit each other, it's and then we go away. Yeah, yeah, and like, there's nothing for. wrong with that. Yeah. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because a lot of these guys, I have zero in common with them anyway. Yeah. You know, um, we're we're very friendly, um, and we might have like nice conversations, but it's not the same thing. You know, it hits um, on a different level, Hema. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's it's sort of like kind of weird and wonderful in that regard. You know. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, that's um, that's good. So, what have you got planned for tomorrow?
6: Tomorrow, um, I'm going to have to go home unfortunately because oh, no. uh, I've got a family barbecue at midday. So I'll be heading off early. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked to either watch or take part in the melee games. Uh, that always that's always a, a fun part of, of of fight camp. But unfortunately, I'm probably going to have to miss that. Yeah. So, that's a shame. But it's been a lovely uh, few days catching up with people at least in spite of the weather. It's just been really nice to just. I think most people will agree that the best thing about this this fight camp this year is is just the community. Yeah. And just getting to hang out with your friends and the people that you see online all the time and that you haven't seen in months, sometimes years, and just reconnecting and uh, bonding over our sort of shared love of. Martial arts basically.
0: Yeah, there have been a lot of people I've spoken to actually from like social media stuff, and it's like, um, and they're like, we talk all the time on Facebook, but because their profile is like a, you know, like a dragon or a blob or something, I'm like, oh, do we? Like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, cool. Uh, Thanks very much for this. Thank you. It's been lovely. Next up, the very sharply dressed Nick Thomas from the AHF. Let's get this. (laughs) There we go. Cool. So, Nick, how was your fight camping?
5: been great yeah apart from you know a bit wet but (laughs) we're getting by managed so far yeah yeah everything uh like every time i ask people yeah how you do it's like yeah
0: soaked, soaked down to my boxes and like
5: yeah absolutely we're still having lots of fun there's still lots of fighting so that's been good
0: yeah i loved your boarding action uh workshop that was awesome
5: oh thanks that was really cool it It was was very fun it was good yeah yeah um how'd you find it like it went really well. You know, it's always hard to tell who's going to turn up. It could be, you know, a few people. It could be a massive group, and we had just the right numbers to make it fun. Um, I would say so. That was that was ideal because board and actions. You know, you ideally want a few hundred to make it good. You know, so uh, yeah, I think it was good. Yeah, it'd be cool to do that one fight camp, like get everybody involved. Yeah, it would. <laughs> I think we might end up with a few, you know, a few fist fights in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah, because uh, you and Nick used to be reenactors before. Uh, you sort of got into HEMA like well you go, you guys got into HEMA before it was HEMA but then yeah. like that was the thing that you did beforehand is um, is the naval stuff something that you've ever
5: dabbled with when you were reenacting or no nothing like that whatsoever because back then it was all English Civil War so a Napoleonic interest uh, came after you know I, I read the sort of sharp books and watched all the sharp films growing up but I never did anything in terms of reenactment or, or anything like that associated that all came later
0: yeah yeah I know that you Brought out the third Craven book like a few months ago. So if you like, I I can't keep track of time. At all, there are five now, but yeah, yeah, are there five. Yeah, all oh, right, shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm behind there
7: yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so, are you planning to bring out any more? absolutely i mean you know it's a a successful series and i wanted to tell a kind of a you know a, a prolonged adventure yeah um so yeah it's going to keep going for for dozens of books that one yeah when you do these like boarding action stuff is there any of that
0: that then kind of like finds its way into the books
5: absolutely i mean um the last few cravens i have brought some naval stuff into it yeah where they've been on transports and things like that and and so, yeah, I've put some of the Pringle Green stuff exactly into the fight scenes that have, have taken place on the ship combat stuff.
0: Yeah. I meant more like, um, you know, when you've done something and you've just, like, gone onto you know, gone onto deck and been an absolute titan and taken out a load of people. have you gone, do you know what? That'd be, I'd be really good in one of these.
5: Yeah, I'd take a bit of influence here and there, definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now it's, um, uh, like I said, it's good it was good fun when we did it with the AHF. Um, when you know I came along to your class and took part in it. Um,
5: what are you planning to do tomorrow? Just sparring. Yeah, um, the days, it was a busy day today. Had the, uh, the board and action stuff. Very quick lunch and then on to Mike's uh, Dussac class, so um, by the time that was done, uh, you know, the day was pretty much just sort of winding down. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, plan is just spar infield tomorrow and lots and lots of sparring.
0: Yeah, because that's what you did last year, I think. Other than the class you run, it was just pretty much like the sun came up, you fought, and then the sun went down.
5: That's the plan. Yeah. That's, that's usually the plan. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you got any good fights lined up? No, I actually haven't lined any up. Yeah. Um, a few people before Fight Camp have said something, so they're going to probably come looking for me, but I can't actually remember who said it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll in, so, yeah, usually they'll just come looking, so... Yeah. There'll be plenty. So one of the problems I have with Fight Camp is... Because um, I'm shit with names
0: and faces anyway. Same. Somebody pulled up... Yeah. Somebody pulled up in their car, and they pointed at me and waved enthusiastically, and I'm like, oh, hey! And I, like like a coward, I scurried out of the car park before I had to make awkward <laughs> <laughs> new conversation, you know, <laughs> so, yeah,
5: yeah. So, Yeah, a few incidences like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, I bet with you as well, you must have that thing of, because your YouTube channel is so successful, you must have that thing where you're like, shit, have we met? Or is this just...
5: Yeah, that happens quite a bit. Yeah. um, Quite a bit. One time I was uh, talking to a couple and um, I'd known them for sort of 15 years at different (sighs) events and I just introduced myself and thought they were newbies and... (laughs) oh no so, yeah yeah it, it can happen it can happen yeah. there's a lot of faces but um and you then know. you've got to do that thing oh have you have you done something with your hair I mean uh, I didn't recognise it. Like, if you're like unique and stand out I'll probably remember you but uh, you know there's a lot of people in HEMA that all look the same <laughs> and I'm probably among them but you
2: know <laughs> I don't know I don't know about today no yeah, like,
5: like, right now
0: yeah no. so yeah yeah uh no that's i mean like uh, to a much 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 smaller degree i've had it uh, a couple of times over the over the weekend when somebody goes oh jordan and i'm like hey and they're like i follow you on youtube and i'm like oh thank fuck for that cuz i don't know who yeah. you are <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah Um no uh, that's cool i'm really hoping that the weather's better tomorrow uh cuz uh i want to get some fight in as well uh i thought yesterday so i um, i took a Took a book out of, took a book out of your page, took a page out of your book, um, so you and Alex, where you just kind of rocked up and started fighting, I did a similar thing and I just immediately fought um, Alex with small sword and just stretched my groin going for a (laughs) lunge. And then I went, yeah, like I woke up today and I'm like, it's all right actually, but because of the rain and the mud, I took like a sort of sidestep something, slipped my leg and I'm like, ah, there it is again. So, like, tomorrow I'm hoping that I could get away with, like, not stretching out my groin and uh,
5: and just having a good fight. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, we jumped a bit enthusiastically in yesterday and um, just didn't warm up whatsoever, just jumped in fighting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the legs did suffer a little bit for it. (laughs) You said, you were like,
0: yeah, my legs are a bit shaky, which (laughs) I think is, like, the first time I've ever heard you go, (laughs) like, I might need a a moment, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, Thanks for this. This has been awesome. No problem. Um, Next up, we catch up with the powerhouse Alex Timmerman, all the way from Kraken Swords in America. You had a bit of drama
7: on the way here, right? Oh, I did. Yeah, no, it was uh, quite a fun crossing. lost bags and machines eating my debit card and every single portion of my flight delayed. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm here, though. That's the important part. Yeah, and you've been, like, really zen about it. I don't know that I could... Uh, I think that would be my weekend, I would just be obsessing about that. Well I was zen when I got here, but I can't say I was when I was stuck in all those airports and losing bags and all that, so that was pretty frustrating, but as soon as I landed, got my rental, started heading north, I was fine. Yeah, uh, so how's your bike camp been? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, got a lot of good fights in yesterday, uh, friends and strangers both. Um, I did smallsword, uh, quite a few Spadroon and Sabre matches, some, like, mixed weapons, Sabre versus broadsword, Spadroon versus broadsword type stuff. And, and I just went to bed Zonk. I fought all day. Thank you so much. Sugar? Oh, no, thank you.
6: Oh, thank you. Uh, we're
0: getting coffee. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's Ace man. Um, so
7: we had a small sword fight yesterday and uh, that was that was really good fun. That uh, was really good fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. and don't forget opening night with plastic small swords. Yeah, that was that was great.
0: That was great. Um I remember really like so I stretched out my groin, like, pretty badly yesterday, and I think that maybe Thursday was a contributor because the ground
7: was so wet. It was so wet. Yeah. And, it, I mean, like, it rained in 2019 when we were here and we still fought, and it's raining now, we're still going to fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: so funny because, like I said, I get, uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I get loads of people saying, like, but aren't your swords rust and stuff? But it's like, yeah, but, you, yeah, you clean your life. And then...
7: I mean, keeping them pretty solidly oiled to begin with helps. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, if you just wipe them down at the end of the day, you can stop most of the rust from happening. But who cares if you get a little rust? You just take a real pad and some oil or a little sandpaper and some water and just clean it, clean it right up. Mm. Small price to pay to be here. Yeah, yeah, a little, a little rust. Oh, I didn't want to go to fight camp because of rust. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So if you, you've been getting back to your club now and um, training with some of you guys. Uh, oh, yeah. We have to
7: take that big of a break. Um, I don't have a huge club and um, everyone is actually vaccinated, which makes it easy to not have to ask or say or do that. It's all are. And so we took about a five month break when all the initial COVID lockdowns came through. Um, but we've been back since then. It's twice a week class is limited to 10 participants per class, which is about the size of my club right now anyway, so it's like 10 or 12 people, and, and I just I just cap it off and say, you know, that's it. Yeah. Um, but we've been, since the five-month break, we've been on the entire time, I think, and, um, and just running strong. You know, a lot of we lose attendance over COVID, but... Um, yeah, we still do pretty good. Yeah, it's
0: been kind of the opposite for us, like coming back, because loads of people have discovered HEMO during lockdown. Um, so, yeah, just getting like loads of people through the door now, and um, it's, yeah, that, that's been great it, in, a, in a way because um, my my workshop which i did it, like yesterday um i kept doing this thing where i'd say something expecting people to know what i was talking about which is because i'm not a great teacher for one thing but uh, it's mostly like inside jokes that i'm like you know and uh, yeah so um i think i just need to learn to kind of speak to people again because
7: it's been rough being isolated. I, I, was, I was a good boy during COVID. I, I stayed home. I didn't socialize. I didn't do any pubbing or clubbing. I, I The first time I ate out at a restaurant was November of last year from March. I mean, like I, I literally didn't do anything, so I, I understand that. It's definitely... Uh, 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 renewing experience to get back out and start like talking to people you know, <laughs> same two people over yeah. and over and over that's again.
0: Yeah, try to figure out how much is too much eye contact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. man. Um, no, that's cool. Like, I, um, I've been keeping an eye on some of the stuff that's been going on
7: in uh, America. Because um, it's America's a
0: different place to be. Yeah. yeah,
7: I mean, like honestly, it's, it's just the fact that we we don't agree on anything is really what keeps anything from happening. Um, you know, like all this indecision uh, is just costing so, you know there's not yeah, much there's not much um, requirement or much demand I, on anything as far as covid containment basically they're just treating years, like it's over yeah, uh, yeah. But and people are like still getting sick of course, 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 and, course, course. course and you know like, everybody has their right to believe and think whatever they want but it's costing us the ability to accept travelers from other countries and you know plenty of other things so it's um yeah it's kind of kind of been crap on that uh on that angle yeah is there anything
0: like fight camp
7: in the states that you usually
0: attend or um not on this
7: scale um there is an event in um in California I've attended in the past it it is it has a similar or maybe possibly a slightly larger number of attendants to fight camp Yeah, and it's a three day event and it is it is usually very well put together Uh, of course the output depends on how much effort the host put into it which can sometimes be like drastically uh, taxing to host an event, but um, SoCal Fight I had previously had really good experiences there, the tournament rules were Nick, uh, but they were very, very fair and very well enforced, and it's a very positive Pima experience, I was overwhelmed by German long but I can handle it. <laughs> Yeah. I, uh, I'm not being a long sworder, so um, it, it's, uh, it's still cool to get all the experience. And they do a ton of stuff rapier, saber. They have like a mystery round robin tur- uh, tournament every year. One year it was small sword, one year it was single stick, you know, uh, um, something a little off the mainstream of FEMA. So they, they, they keep it fresh. Yeah. Um, of course South Coast Swords is no longer South Coast Swords so I don't know what happens to that event if it doesn't happen anymore that will be sad um, or if it doesn't happen at the same um, the same level that will also be sad but we'll wait and see what happens it's always been a very good time over there
0: yeah thanks man teaching Shasta Vidya out of London is a Santa Lawler fucking ass Hi right, everybody, so uh, how was your weekend? It was awesome, man. It was yeah. awesome.
8: So more so for the, the talking and the chilling out and the rest of it, and training as well, but I've done a lot of chilling out, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I yeah. mean, you you kind of came at the right, well, I'm going to say you came at the right time, because you came on uh, Saturday?
8: No, uh, I, came, I came on Friday, well oh, this is the talking and chilling out thing, I came yeah. on four, Friday at 4pm. Mm. And then I saw Alex and that sitting around drinking tea and whatever. Ended up sitting there for like another five hours because I was just so knackered because I'd worked nights oh, the right, day gotcha. before. So I was just like, I'm just gonna sit here and relax. And then I only went up there like right into the evening for a little bit and then went went back. Yeah.
0: No, that's <laughs> yeah. fair enough. Um, I mean, today was absolutely roasting by comparison to the uh, the other stuff. So yeah. 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 Um, I think you had a good like a good sort of day for doing
8: workshops yeah, you know? yeah I was really lucky yeah really lucky yeah how was your uh, workshop oh yeah it went awesome went really really well like better than I thought especially because I didn't realise the time someone came and said your workshop starts in two minutes so I didn't get a chance to go over my notes or anything like what I was going to teach and I just went up there and I was like okay fuck it it's all daggers da, 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 da. Yeah. and it just reeled off and everyone was like whoa you know when you get that moment when everyone's like oh wow yeah. like that really works like, and it's, yeah. Yeah, and it's really, I really like it it's easy to do because that's basically what the whole workshop was about we were talking about how a lot of the principles of sword fighting in Shasta Video at least um, have to be related to dagger fighting and knife fighting because mm. in a lot of the clashes in co- like battlefield combat you end up in dagger range yeah. So everything you do, every time you someone goes to hit you or whatever, you don't say, "I'm gonna have a perfect defense and kill this guy one time and I'm gonna go into the next one. You go, "This is probably this go. This is probably gonna go wrong. I'm gonna end up in dagger range. I'm gonna to have to kill him there." Yeah. So then you basically plan for that eventuality, and then you go backwards in your training. So you say so you start at knife fighting, make sure you can survive that messy bit, then you apply that knife. You know, put a shaft on it and say, oh, no, now it's a spear. It's doing the same thing that it was doing before, but you've got to fight it while you're really close to it and you can't move that much and you have to be really handsy and whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, and we've done all of that and they were just like, oh, man, this is, like, cool. Like, <laughs> because, like, we're not used to it. We're so used to, like, hitting out here. And you're just like, fuck all of that. I'm just going <laughs> to catch fight you with a sword and a dagger. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it was... Uh,
0: that's cool actually because it's um what i teach which is like dagger is actually the first part of it oh brilliant yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. um, so uh, like if you're you know if you're looking to come in with the dagger it's the same sort of body mechanics where you're engaging the hip to drive it i don't want to just do it with my shoulder because that's going to get tired yeah, yeah, exactly you know um so i'm looking to sort of drive that hip in as well and yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff um and then it's like if you can block that then you can block a pommel strike because yeah. if i'm coming in with a sword with a that's it, it, that's it, that's it. And you're going to strip that from me and yeah, all that exactly, sort stuff. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. One of the things you were showing me actually um, after my Montante fight with Richard was like this kind of weird, like weird for me, but the crouch thing with the oh, shield yeah, and the spear. Yeah,
8: yeah. I love that sort of stuff because it's, it's so different. It's very different, yeah. Yeah. Because basically, he well, shows the video essentially what happened, well, depending on who you speak to, but yeah. he said like Tuxilla was a place, like a university. And Shasta video literally means area of study and knowledge related to weapons. Mm. So they said basically they had these guys, these scholars that would go around and look at the things p- different people done and worked out when it would be good, when it wouldn't, and then kind of compiled it into a system and said, oh, you know, we saw these guys from the South that done this thing. We'd love to ad- add that into our toolbox because it works really well against this specific thing. But if someone's got this, we want something else that's specific, what we saw in the East somewhere. Yeah. And then it became like a whole, like, like like you would study military science today, you look at everything. And take the bits that are good and yeah. turn it into like a really, you know, scientific, really well thought out system of strategy to beat people. Not by being like crazy more skillful than them, but just using the right tools for the job and the right footwork for the job. And you find, and that's what we were doing in the dagger fight, it was like, I don't care how good you are. If you do this, this and this and you do it every time, it's very difficult for someone to recover in that, in that dagger range type yeah. of thing. And then when you do it with a sword in your hand and you're always knowing you're going for that dagger range... By the time you get there and people are like, oh shit, I haven't trained for this because we don't like this part, they're like, oh fucking, even if they're quite skilled because they just don't know what's going on, you, you killed them. Really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, man. Yeah. I,
0: I saw you using something that looked almost like a cookery, like a Gurkha cookery. Was that? Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's fair. Because yeah. like, um, there's the, the sort of dagger that I teach, uh, and I, I wouldn't say like I'm... Like a uh, badass with a knife or anything, yeah. yeah. Um, but the kind of dagger that we have are rondels, or like rondel daggers, and they're basically just a spike, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because if you come up against somebody in armor, then you've got like a, a thin blade uh, blade. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to do much, right? Yeah. You know, you're slashing away, and they're going to, you know, they're going to laugh, and then they're going to nut you with their helmet, and you're going to hit the deck, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get a rondel, and that's to find the weaknesses. Mm. Um, so I've been doing that so long. I kind of... I used to do more
8: kind of edged weapon stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a totally different game. It
6: is, do you it know is, what I mean? It's
8: very different. Yeah. It's like a... It's a whole different mentality of going into a fight. Like, it's, it's, it's literally the difference. Like when you watch MMA and you see strikers and then you see grapplers. And the grapplers fight so differently. It's not just the fact that they've got different techniques. The yeah. way they approach the fight. The way they approach the range. The way you... You know what your aim is It's like so different
0: Yeah, yeah. That's actually It's really funny Because like I um, I used to dabble With like uh, Grappling When I would do Unarmed you know, martial arts But I'm like If I've got Like If I've got you full mount you know, and I'm I'm sort of uh, I'm sort of like poised up, mm. and you're down there. I'm just gonna hit you. I don't want to sub you. I just want to hit you. Like, all if I am sort of gonna stuff. break
8: something, I'm gonna break it because I want to break it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wait for you to tap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly.
0: And um, I was like, so I I start doing that because I have to like try and. Um, try and sort of take like uh, students and stuff and I don't want to like freak uh, like freak out new students but just go bam 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 like you know kind of thing so I started doing more like grappling type stuff And uh, I was watching this one guy, and I can't remember his name. He was UFC fighter. And when I was more into, like, the striking stuff, I'd see him take a hit to the face, and he would just fall down on his back, right? Mm. And I thought, no, that guy sucks. He's got, a, like, a glass jaw or whatever, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and
8: it's like, no. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then I started getting more into grappling. I'm like, ah, I know what you're doing now. You're, you're baiting shouts, like, the you. other guy. And it's like, and it just you kind of open and close your eyes to different things it, and like
8: it. it's like i remember <clears throat> this, this like penny drop moment for me when i was thinking about combat was when yeah. i got was sparring my teacher and it got to one of those inevitable points where we got quite close and i managed to hit my sword on his belly before he hit me and i was like ah a one type thing yeah and he stopped he was like what are you doing continue like cut me then and then i didn't realize his elbow was just right next to my arm but i didn't notice it so i've done that and it didn't move I'm holding his hand, which is in front of my face. And he was like, do you think you can stop me? And I was kind of like... And then he went, boom, like straight through. And he was like, that's the difference. He was like... And we make a very big distinction between cutting, sort of slashing, and actually what we would consider a proper draw cut. Mm. In that when you knock people off balance. Because he was like, if someone runs at you, we don't really care if you cut us. Because nine times out of ten, at very least, I'll have a few seconds where I could kill you. Which I probably will, because... You know, if you do the math, people running at, you know, 10, 15 miles an hour, it's like a light jog, then they're going to sprint, and they're both doing it, they're covering like a meter every point, you know, one of a second, or like even less sometimes, I can't remember, which. we've done the math once, and we was like, man, that's crazy, so you get less than a tenth of a second after you do that cut, or hit, or whatever, and then the guy's going to be bowling straight into you, so it's like when you do a draw cut, that went bam, and really took the guy off his feet, and then the cut would be a slash as they fall away. And that way you get your sword back kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so all this time I've been kind of getting close and touching people and thinking, yeah, I can draw a cut through this. And it's like, no, you can't. You can touch me. And if I'm wearing armor, they ain't going to do fuck all. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Even if yeah. I'm just wearing, like, chainmail or something, unless you can, like, a lot of people, like, you do cutting tests. And you can keep edge alignment when something is dead still. Try to do it when something's moving and it's, like, a little bit, you know, it's level or it's cotton, it's like, it's very hard to get very good clean cuts that do more than surface damage that the guy's going to wrap up and go, yeah, war scar. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, so, I was, so I was just like, that, that penny drop moment, I was just like, this, this is it, like, this is the mentality. When you get to that mentality, the way you approach the fight is now the difference between yeah the MMA grappler and the jiu-jitsu guy or whatever, or the a boxer or whatever. It's very, it's like stark. <laughs> it's yeah. It's <very> stark. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. I like, it, it's that thing are just like, um, what you said about people you know the momentum that impetus of coming in because um, it's funny because like I'll, I'll get like a tap on my glove as I'm as I'm approaching some guys and I haven't had it so much this weekend which is nice but I'll get like a flick on the, on on the back of the hand or whatever mm. but my sword's coming down yeah you know, exactly and, <laughs> And it'll be like, ah, yeah, but I, I got your hair. I'm like, that's not gonna turn, like, that's not gonna turn me yeah. into a force ghost. Yes, exactly. You know, I'm not just gonna like vanish into like yeah. an empty pile of clothes and then, yeah. you know, be giving Luke advice exactly. Exactly. kind of thing.
8: And people it's got, like, you got to stop me. That's it. And people go, oh, but swords are really sharp, and they can still cut. And I'm like, yes, hmm. they can when the edge alignment and stuff is good. It's very hard to do a deep cut, meaningful cut, even with a bit of speed, if something is moving, especially yeah. if it's moving away from it, like you end up getting like a really gnarly kind of shit cut especially when they have got a bit of armour it doesn't really go through that well, well you yeah. probably tried you even tried to cut through cotton or something like that I have done yeah, yeah. I've done that
0: and um, it doesn't work so you, that, again very, that's where the rondel comes in yeah it's you know? fucking
8: hard like, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. just cotton yeah <laughs> like, yeah. so like stick anything else on top of that yeah exactly and it yeah. becomes weird unless you happen to have one of those razor sharp swords which I don't know i I don't know if many people would have had their swords that sharp all the time. Like, I mean, yeah. so I,
0: I like, I talked about this a little bit yeah. um, because, you know, you've got these different, you know, you obviously have different swords and different people. would have yeah, Different yeah. things with them. If I were to go into, like, battle and somebody said, right, you get a sword, you get a long sword, whatever, yeah. I'd sharpen the, the top half of it, like, razor sharp. And then the rest of it. It wouldn't be blunt, but I wouldn't have it razor sharp. Yeah. Because I might want to use it like a spear or something. And you don't want it to chip and stuff too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want to give it that rigidity. You know, so the cutting portion of the blade is going to be, you know, that's going to be sharp, but and again, it depends who I'm going up against. Like, if I have foreknowledge and I'm like, well, I'm going up against somebody in armor, then no, nah, I don't want to sharpen it because again, yeah, yeah. like, what's the point? I want I want a spike that I can drive yeah, through exactly. the side exactly. of their neck or something, exactly. you know?
8: And, that, and that's why we, that's why he so much about the impact and that you have to be able to like hit with it. It's yeah. almost like a club then a sword. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And we was even talking, we were talking about one strike, the one you know when it goes to the temple to the eye because we have that strike as well. This one, this one. Mm. And um, my teacher hates that strike. Oh, the vertical. I don't know what it's called. Hey, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. And yeah. um, He says it's a very good cut, and if you do it well, it's like that like perfect cut. Because supposedly, back in the day, when you cut, got cut through that part, there's a good chance that you might drop because yeah. it's like a like concussive almost, like you go boom, go down. But he says trying to hit something that accurately when you're a little bit tired and you're wearing armor and the guy's moving around quite a lot, going for it if you miss or the guy ducks his head at the last minute and now you're hitting the side of his helmet yeah it's like you have fucked up royally like yeah. you're like shit because now you're, you're doing you're basically in this position halfway through and this guy's coming at you and it's like oh fuck yeah, yeah you so got your hands up yeah. your guts
0: are exposed you know yeah. so. So,
8: was, so sometimes when we spar if we like got that a few times we were be like yeah no more of that strike like we'll be like I can't do that strike anymore because it's like okay maybe you stop the guy but if it's, literally if you've done that and yeah. he had a helmet on. Like It's like, yeah. okay, now you've just hit the metal. Yeah. you pissed him off because you scratched his face. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: if you'd like to find out more about historical European martial arts, visit www.academyofsteel.com or shoot us over a message at info at academyofsteel.com or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok.